and the story takes place about 10 or so years ago, back when I was around 18 years old, and I was a much more fit and active young man. Back then, I lived in the northern part of Oklahoma, which was where I was born and raised for pretty much the first half of my life. This area was gorgeous, and I lived near a certain Native American reservation, and it was a really lovely place with a lot of wilderness and trails and woods. I didn't live on the reservation myself, but I lived in an area near it, and I had a lot of friends that did live there, including my then-boyfriend, Zach. I was super serious about nature back then. I would honestly hike and bike through the recreation area, and I spent so many of my younger years in that natural area. I spent so much time there that I would say that I had memorized all the trails and paths throughout. I would spend entire days on the trails sometimes, heading out around 10 or 11 in the morning, and then wouldn't get home until dinner, or when the sun was setting. As I said, my boyfriend lived on the reservation, and he was great about going out to the trails with me, but at the same time, he just wasn't as big of a trail nerd as I was. There would be times when I would head over to his place to spend time with him, but would end up biking down on the trails later in the afternoon. He would typically just stay home and do whatever he was doing. Because of this, I was usually alone in the woods. Just me, my thoughts, and a bunch of trees. While I loved each of the trails and spent a lot of the time going as far into the forest as I could, and then went out to find new areas, there was one specific trail that I was very partial to. I don't remember if the trail had a name, but this trail I personally dubbed the Downstream Path. I named it as such because it went alongside a stream, and it was downhill, which was super creative, right? This trail was my favorite for a handful of reasons. The path was beautiful, there were trees on one side and the stream on the other, you could get a lot of speed as you took the downhill, and it was mostly remote, so there was very little risk of ever crashing into another person or running into other hikers. On the specific day of this event, I was riding the trails alone. It was really early in the day, I don't recall the exact time, but Zack wasn't awake yet, and there was no other foot traffic on the path. I was riding the trails and was just happily taking in the morning air and enjoying the cool breeze, when I came up toward the hill where the downstream path started. I was really feeling the cool air that day, and there was seriously nobody on the path, so I figured, why not just hop on the trail and go crazy with it? I hopped over to the top of the hill and stared down at the lower parts of the forest. There was a thin haze that was rising over the stream and through the trees, and it was just absolutely lovely. I geared up for the downhill and then took off. I was riding down the hill and picking up speed, and was probably going way too fast for my own personal safety. I was taking the bends and curves tightly as I approached them, and feeling the energy and adrenaline of the ride. When I took one of the curves way too fast and too sharp, 
And as I was trying to straighten out the wheel and regain my bearings, I hit a bump. And I ended up ditching the bike and landing in a small section of the woods flat on my back, just staring straight up at the morning sky. I was just sitting there, lying on my back, staring up at the dark blue and tops of the trees. I was trying to catch my breath and sort through what exactly happened, as the moment of fog slowly lifted out of my brain. Landing square on your back after crashing out at a high speed will absolutely make you see stars, and it will make it to where the moment feels like the world is spinning. To be honest, the whole thing was almost comfortable, <laughs> until I started to hear the sounds of the forest after a few moments. Then I started hearing what sounded like heavy steps somewhere around me, steps that had some real weight and heft behind them, while I ignored them for a couple of seconds, my thoughts went through what it could be, and then it occurred to me that I was in the forest in Oklahoma, which meant that there was a real possibility of it being a black bear. I quickly sat up and looked around me for a bear, but honestly didn't see anything at first. After sitting confused and trying to see exactly what it was, again, still thinking it was a bear... I saw what was actually making the sounds, and while it was not a bear, I kind of wish it was. In the forest line, around 30 or so feet from me, there was something, some sort of creature that was standing by the stream. This thing stood to be at least 6 or 7 foot tall. Its entire body was covered in dark brown hair that it was a bit matted and coarse, its mouth was elongated, and it had large pulled-back ears. And while it wasn't snarling, I could see that it had fairly large teeth. It had the stature of a man to some extent, but it was taller and lankier than any man I had ever seen. If I had to describe it in fewer words, I would say this damn thing looked like a stereotypical werewolf. This thing... It was just standing there, and staring at me. Kind of like it was trying to size me up and determine if I was worth its time. The entire time, which was probably only a few seconds, my heart was racing, and I could feel myself starting to hyperventilate in a panic. I was trying to stay still, and I was trying to remain calm, but this thing could have killed me. And I honestly thought that I was about to die. Thankfully, after those few moments, this thing slowly knelt down and just stepped away from me, back towards the stream. Each step he took, though, made my heart skip a beat and felt like it pulled the air from my lungs. When I was certain that he was far enough away that it was no longer interested in me, I slowly stood up, grabbed my bike, and slowly stepped back towards the trail. Then I hopped on and took off like a bat out of hell. When I got back to Zack's house, he could tell that I was freaking out, and he asked me what was going on. I told him about how I was riding the trail and how I'd crashed, and then I told him that I saw a weird creature in the woods. I described it as best I could, pretty much like a werewolf. Then, out of nowhere, Zack says, Oh, you mean like a dog man? 
Then he goes to tell me that there have been sightings of the dogman in the woods on the reservation. Then he goes on to drop the bombshell that I was lucky, because apparently this creature could have torn me to shreds and no one would have ever found my body. This story takes place back whenever I was a teenager. Back then, I lived with my parents in part of South Dakota that had a lot of wilderness, and I was one to always take advantage of the woods in the area. I was all about heading out onto the trails in the woods to see what I could find out there, and I loved to spend my weekends hiking and finding new areas. We lived near a small pond that was right by a small section of woods, that is then right by a cave system. I spent way too many hours of my teen years in that cave system, and honestly, I loved to spend my entire days out in the wild, just taking in the sights and sounds. That said, nothing is perfect, and there were a few close calls I had when I was young, and I thought I was invincible. I once fell from a pretty high ledge when I was 13, and I broke my arm. Thankfully, that was all I broke, because I could have died. No, that that's not the scary story, just a point of note to tell you who I am as a person. A risk taker. An idiot, essentially. I used to go out and do pretty much whatever to whenever, and then head home and do it all again the next day. Like I said, nothing's perfect. And I can recall two specific stories that made me feel like maybe spending all of my time out in the wilderness where no one knew where I was, maybe that wasn't such a great idea in the end. The first incident, it happened during one summer where there was a good amount of foot traffic in the area. Some years, there would be more tourism than others. We weren't really a tourism city, but some people that were nature buffs would stop by in the area for the scenery. Like I said, this year was one where we had seen more people in the area. On this day in particular, I wanted to go down to the pond and just watch the animals down the way. I did as I always did. I got up, got dressed, ate, and then head out to hit the path as early as I could. One thing to note, I had gone this exact same route the day before, and nothing was out of place. About a quarter of a mile into the path, I ran into the body of an animal. That may be gross to a lot of people, but living in nature kind of desensitizes you to animal death. There are so many predators out there, bears, wolves, etc., that you just kind of accept when you see a carcass. And then you put yourself in a bit of a defensive mentality in that there may be a predator nearby. Now this kill was fairly fresh, so that as well puts you in a position where you watch your surroundings even more. The main thing I found to be odd about the carcass was that the head was missing. Again, a little bit strange, but nothing too crazy. Animals do weird things. I continue down the way and make my way toward the pond when I see something that legitimately makes me sick to my stomach. Down by the water... I see what looks like a, a shovel or spade, or whatever, 
stuck in the ground near the water's edge, and on the end of the stick that's pointed upward is the head of an animal. I'm assuming it's the head of the one that I found on the trail, as it's a deer and it also looked rather fresh. This alone was enough to scare the hell out of me, but as I got closer, I saw there were a pile of Polaroids scattered around the ground near where the shovel was. I hesitantly stepped forward to look at the pictures, and they were just as sickening as you might think. The pictures were basically each part of the timeline of how the people that killed this deer did so, and then beheaded it. There were about 15 pictures in total, and they were each taken at different points. There were two people, but they were wearing masks and dark clothing. Like I said, this path was clear the afternoon prior, which meant that whoever did this, did so in the middle of the night. Now, I'm sure they were doing it all to be edgy, but it was absolutely disgusting. I ended up heading home and calling the police. They came and took the evidence, which was pretty much just the pictures and the shovel, and they had park services come out to clean up the scene. I'm pretty sure they never actually caught anyone, which lends more to the possibility of it being a tourist that did it. The other story I have is one that's less straightforward, and is more on the probability side. Like I said, there was a cave that was down by the pond, and it was a fairly large cave. I spent many days in my summer checking it out, and I'm certain that I never found every vein that it actually had. Mostly because I didn't really try, and the situation proved that was the right way to do things. On this particular day, a friend of mine and I had decided that we would go through a part of the cave that I hadn't yet explored. And this was an idea that he'd had that I honestly wish that he hadn't. We got to the cave, and we started to explore. Pretty much nothing was out of place until we got to the back far left, and then into a vein that we had never traveled. Back in the rear vein, there was a small pocket that pretty much looked to be the size of a small room. Inside this pocket, there was what looked like a makeshift bed, made of a sleeping bag and some clothing. There were posters that were basically taped to the wall of the cave in a sloppy manner, and there were a handful of books that were scattered around. While this was creepy, the part that made it worse was that there was also a lantern lying on the ground that was still lit, which told me that whoever was staying in the cave wasn't too far away. Now, you may think, that's not that bad. It's just a homeless person making the most of what was available. The problem lies with the fact that we lived near a federal prison, and there had been a few escaped inmates in the past. And if around the time that we found this, there was an inmate that had gotten through the fence and hadn't yet been caught. Odds are, what we found was a makeshift camp of an inmate that was hiding out. Of course, at the time, as a kid, I didn't realize this. We just bolted out of the cave and laughed about it, and then never went back to the cave. Or at least, not deep into it. I don't live in South Dakota anymore, but if I did, well, I can promise you that I would probably still be out there every weekend, just like back then.
In my 45 years on this earth, I've kind of been everywhere throughout the continental US. Most people would refer to me as a drifter. I like to look at myself as more of an adventurer. I've never locked myself down to one place, and I've always lived my life to the fullest extent that I could while enjoying the sights and scenery that most people ignore. I know that most people don't have the ability to do what I do with my time, but I have enough money to live, and I seriously enjoy not being chained to any one location. I've hiked and backpacked and camped pretty much in every state, but I'm partial to the West Coast more than anything. It has some of the most beautiful untouched wilderness that's out there, I've spent some of my favorite nights camping in the woods up near Montana, all by myself. That said, if you spend enough time in the woods by yourself, you are absolutely bound to find something weird. There was one trip in particular that sticks out in my mind that is worth talking about. On one of my camping trips, I found a perfect area of woods that was comfortable and empty. Well... I thought it was empty, until I got about a quarter or a half mile into the woods and found what appeared to be an abandoned community. That might not be the right word, but by it I mean there were small houses just outside of the tree line in a completely secluded and surrounded area. This was a place that houses seriously had no business being, yet here they were. I admit... I checked out the small community, and again, I'm only using that word because I cannot think of a better way to describe it. It wasn't a town or a village, it was just four houses that looked old as hell and run down sitting inside of a forest clearing. Behind one of the houses was a small playground that looked legitimately run down like there hadn't been a child to play on the equipment in a couple of decades. The climbing equipment and the monkey bars were nothing more now than a tetanus nightmare. The merry-go-round thing, or whatever you call it, it didn't go around whatsoever. The center part of it was completely rusted and seized in place. There were a handful of toys that were strewn around the playground area, but they were all broken or sun-bleached. At this point, I had decided in my mind that this place was, likely, sufficiently abandoned, and I went to check out one of the houses next. I went to the house next door, and I peered in through the back door window. Despite the window being dirty and there being a curtain, I could see that there was, in fact, still furniture in the house. I could see part of a living room, and from where I was, there was a chair, an old couch, and an old CRT television that was sitting in the corner of the room. Then I did the illegal thing that I probably shouldn't have, and I broke into the house. I say broke in, but I just more so walked in. The back door was unlocked. The first room in the door was what appeared to be a mudroom, with a washer and dryer in it. There was a half-empty box of detergent sitting on the washer and some dryer sheets on the dryer, but nothing too crazy in this room. 
Then I walked into the kitchen area where the door led, and honestly, that's where it got a bit strange. The cabinets were all closed, but as I opened them, they were full. There was a pantry that was filled with old-looking canned foods. There were dishes in the strainer next to the sink, but none in the sink itself. There was a dining room table that had places set with a vase that had plastic flowers in the middle. Nothing about it really screamed abandoned, other than the significant layer of dust on everything. I pushed on into the house, and it all just got weirder by the room. There were pictures on the walls, photos, and what looked like paintings on canvas that looked like they were hand-done. The bedrooms all had beds that were made, and there were clothes in the dressers. On top of that, there was a laundry basket in the hallway that had clothing in it. Now, I understand to some people that this may not sound weird or creepy, but all of the houses in that area were similar to this one in that they were furnished and full of random belongings, but they were also a bit messy and fully coated in dust and dirt. It was completely clear that they were all abandoned. These houses were not in use, and they hadn't been for quite a long time. The dishes by the sink in the first house tells me that whoever lived here probably left in the hurry, or at least with expectation of coming back. These houses were completely abandoned, and they were abandoned in a hurry. The people that left, they left all of their belongings, their food, their furniture, etc. I have no idea why anyone would have done that, and I can't think of any scenario where someone would have to leave their homes permanently in that state. If anyone has any thoughts, I'm open to hearing them. I love to go hiking in the winter, mostly through large patches of wood near where I live. Mostly because most people don't go hiking when it's cold out, and especially not when it's snowing. Because of this, I can usually enjoy around an hour or two just walking the paths and feeling the cold air as it rushes against my skin. And I can usually get some really pretty pictures of the snowfall, and various woodland creatures. Out here, you can typically see a couple squirrels, some cardinals, and every once in a while, a deer. While I usually don't see anyone else along the paths, and it's incredibly quiet in the area, sometimes you do run into random people, and typically it's light conversation, and you both move on with your day. Nothing about this area or park or these paths have ever screamed creepy or strange to me. And that's not to say there haven't been a few strange things that haven't happened, and I haven't run into a few people that I would consider out there. I think the strangest thing I ever found on the path, other than what the story was about, was one of those fancy rocks that people paint to leave behind on the trails that was painted to look like a skull. It was actually pretty neat. I found it, took a picture of it, and I left it on another part of the trail. 
I also once found a Bible in the middle of the path, which I guess some people could think that's creepy. I just assumed that someone dropped it. There was one day that I decided to go for a walk with my dog out in the park, just after a fairly heavy snowfall. It had been snowing pretty much all night, and all morning, so there were a few inches of accumulation. I laced up my boots and got my dog ready for the cold, then we headed out the door and went towards the nearby woods. Honestly, it was gorgeous out that day. The ground was blanketed in white, the sky was a bit of a grey-blue, and everything else had that pale reflective color it gets when there's snow on the ground. What's even better, when I got out to the path, it was completely silent, the only exception being the birds singing. If I could give a description of Zen, it would have been that morning in the woods. So, my pup and I are walking the path, as we have many times before, and just overall enjoying the view. He's more so enjoying the snow piles off to the side. We get about halfway through the path when I see something up ahead in a small clearing. It's small, and it has a bit of a glint to it, but I don't really think much of it at first. Maybe it's just something that someone dropped at some point. I just kept walking the trail and moving forward, toward whatever that was. When I got closer, I noticed that it wasn't the only thing that was there. As I stepped toward the object... I noticed that there was something written in the snow. In the snow by the trail, in a flattened part of the ground, was the phrase, I'm sorry. It was written as if someone had gotten down on their knees and used their hands to write it out in the snow. The only problem with that is the fact that there were no footsteps anywhere else on the path or near the writing. With the exception of where that was written... The snow on the path and in the clearing was completely undisturbed. It was as if either the person who wrote this wasn't touching the ground at all, or the snow fell in every single place other than where it was written. Either way, something weird had certainly happened in that spot. To compound the weirdness, the object that was next to the message in the snow, it was a photograph, an old one, of a little girl. It looked like the photo was from the 70s or 80s based on the clothing and how faded it was, and the frame was a fairly fancy one. It was metal. And while some people may think that the message and picture in the snow wasn't creepy, it absolutely freaked me the hell out. I took my dog and we immediately walked back to the apartment. I have no idea who was in that picture and I have no idea how anyone was able to write a message in the snow without leaving footprints, but I didn't go walking that path again until after the snow had melted. And no, the picture wasn't there anymore. Thankfully. So this was a collection of terrifying hiking stories. Um, hiking is kind of a creepy activity, apparently. I always looked at it as just walking through the woods, and I found some weird stuff hiking, but never anything like this, so 
Uh, hopefully you all enjoyed. If you did, hit that subscribe button, bell icon next to it, hit that thumbs up button, and then let me know what you thought in the comments down below. You can also show your support further by following me on my social media platforms or supporting over Patreon, Coffee, or channel memberships. All of it optional, all of it greatly appreciated. And that said, I want to do a call out. Do you have a scary story that you want featured in a video like this one? Please consider sending it my way. You can do so by clicking the link down in the description below that says submit your story or through email as the raven dreams at gmail.com or as the raven dreams at outlook.com i own both of them so if you want to send me a story please do so i will be greatly greatly uh grateful <laughs> i'll be greatly grateful i guess i'll be i will really appreciate it okay if that helps um I'm looking for specific stories, Walmart horror stories, Facebook horror stories, trucker horror, dark web, anything like that, um, or really just anything. Uh, if you have a paranormal story, send it my way. I want to read it, okay? All that said, my friends, I hope that you all have a wonderful day and a beautiful weekend. You know that I'm going to see you on that next video, but until then, sleep well.